Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast. Talking season continues, Eric McLean. We have two more teams to hit on this week. Last week was a lot of fun. We talked about Duke and Syracuse. We talked about Florida State and Georgia Tech. We had a lot of great interaction on Twitter about that. People arguing a little bit back and forth. And we love to see that because we love that passion. That's what makes college football so great. Today, Mac, we are talking about the Virginia Tech Hokies and the Louisville Cardinals. Let's go. Come on, KG. I cannot wait to keep diving into this. But really quick, we have some really, really fun and exciting news. Guys, we are going to be partnering with On3. And basically what On3 is, is this new college sports destination for the fan that loves not just the games, but the spectacle that distinguishes college football and basketball from all other major sports. On3 is going to be exploring and highlighting the emotional ties to the team. They're going to be looking at schools. They're going to be looking at all this insight plus recruiting. Guys, we are super excited about this. They have national talent, including Ivan Mazel and recruiting guru Chad Simmons. It's going to be so much fun, KG. I cannot wait for this partnership. I have been excited to see what On3 is doing, and specifically from an ACC perspective. They've only launched six team sites so far. They just started August 1st. So the only ACC team is Clemson, and you can find out more about them, clemsonsports.com. Matt Connolly, who's a great friend of both of ours, is doing awesome work. But they are going to launch other ACC sites soon. So stay tuned for that. We're excited to be involved. And specifically on clemsonsports.com, starting this week, Mac and I will post in the message board. Mac will post once. I will post once. And uh, we'll pose a question. We'll put a take. We'll put a hot take in there and a link to the podcast. And you guys can interact with us. Kelly, I am so excited for this new platform, for this new area for us to connect with fans, spread the podcast. Guys, that's on three, the best of college sports and recruiting. All right, KG, let's get in to this review. Let's talk a little Virginia Tech and Louisville. Let's do it. Okay, let's start with the Hokies here, Eric McLean. The Hokies are such an interesting program right now in the year of our Lord, 2021. (laughs) They have a lot to prove. They're still a major brand in the sport, but Justin Fuente's tenure in Blacksburg has been underwhelming, I would say. I can't believe it's his sixth season at Virginia Tech. That is mind-blowing. Last year in 2020, they went 5-6, and 5-5 and in the ACC, Their wins came over NC State, Duke, Boston College, Louisville, and Virginia. They won the rivalry game at the end of the year. A lot of people thought UVA would win it, but that's what Virginia Tech does. They find a way to beat UVA. They just do. (laughs) Preseason All-ACC athletes, James Mitchell, the tight end, is the only preseason All-ACC performer. Oh, there's one more, sorry. And Amare Barno, the defensive end. They're picked third in the Coastal, Eric McLean. I was surprised to see Virginia Tech pick third in the Coastal above Pitt and UVA, I think they're getting a little bit of that name brand benefit of the doubt. What do you think? Well, if you're keeping track with us, guys, uh, you see where they are in my rankings, and that is not third. If they're the, let's see, they're, they're the ninth team that I have in the ACC. So that would put them at like, 
close to the bottom of the coast. So maybe around, uh, let's see, five. I have them at fifth. Uh, and, and I think just because, again, the inconsistencies, they're not really knowing what the defense is going to look like. You lose an all-star caliber player in Khalil Herbert that did so much for your team. Uh, so th- there's a lot of good things about this team, though, KG. And, and I think that um, we're going to get into that, especially looking at the offense in terms of names and guys that you're going to want to look out for. But I think that you're right. It, it is a little bit of a name benefit, a brand benefit, kind of similar to what we saw with Florida State. Yes, I think Virginia Tech and Florida State generally get a little more benefit of the doubt when it comes to preseason rankings. But in the end, preseason rankings don't matter. We know that. <laughs> they okay. take care of themselves. That's correct. Yeah. Let's talk the quarterback position. So Hendon Hooker is gone. This is Braxton Burmeister's team. And we know he's a dual threat guy. He only threw 84 passes last year, 57% completion. But against Virginia and Clemson, he looked really good. Big reason why they won the UVA game. Against Virginia and Clemson, those last two games, 73.5% completion, 9.97 yards per attempt. Mac, is Burmeister good enough if he stays healthy? Is he a good enough thrower of the football to lead Virginia Tech to where they think they should be, which I think this year would be ideally an 8-9 win season? Yeah, you know, I think when you look at his overall performance, it was spotty, to say the least. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think inconsistent is is kind of a big uh, trend here with with that. But again, when you're looking at when he played two of the best teams that they, they went against, 74 completion percentage, I mean, that's tremendous. And, and throwing the ball almost nine yards a clip, if he can do that, sure, yeah, they're, they're going to you know do very well in the Coastal and maybe even be playing in the championship with those type of numbers. But, Kelly, I, I just don't know if that's realistic. You know, I think at the end of the day, this Virginia Tech team has created such a run mentality around them, and that's just kind of who they have been these last two years and who they are and, and a really strong point of their team. I mean, you look at the, the offensive line led by big Brock Hoffman at center there, who I think is one of the best centers in the country, that's that's the strength. They they do a really good job of going forward and plowing guys over. So it's going to be interesting. Can Braxton now that he's the guy? There's no question. There's no body really behind him pressing him for playing time at all. Can he step up and, and be this quarterback that Virginia Tech obviously believed in because they got rid of Hendon Hooker, uh, they got rid of Quincy Patterson, and said, "Hey, you guys can go somewhere else. We've got our guy." So will that be a, a good decision or a mistake? KG, we'll find out really quickly. Yeah, we will. And I think the Khalil Herbert loss is huge. This guy, Khalil Herbert was incredible last year. Came out of nowhere, transferred from Kansas. People are like, who is this guy? And he was awesome. And I think part of his success, obviously give a lot of credit to Khalil Herbert, but Christian Derrissaw, who is your guy, Eric McLean, he's gone how do you feel overall about this O-line, and how do you replace a presence like Darisaw? Yeah, Darisaw's gone, and Doug Nestor uh, actually transferred. And, and so two of the guys that were really just a cornerstone piece uh, and really, really prominent pieces for them. But I, I feel good about the core that they have coming back. You know, big Luke, uh, he, he's swinging over from right tackle to left tackle, so he's going to take the place uh, of Darisaw there. Not as athletic, but certainly a very good Offensive lineman, Lakita Smith, who's at guard. Uh, he, he's been a starter for like four straight years. He's been there forever, it seems like, and a guy who has so much experience. And then same thing with Brock. So if they just have two guys coming in that are at least average at best, they're going to be just fine. But they have Johnny Jordan, a transfer from Maryland, uh, that that played center at Maryland. I assume he'll move to a guard position 
and then have a younger guy step up at, at tackle. So I think this offensive line is going to be fine. Kelly, the most excited I get when I look at Virginia Tech is at their pass catchers. Yes. And it starts with James Mitchell, tight end, who is just a freaky athlete. He's six foot three, 240. Virginia Tech uses him so many different ways. We've seen him on jet sweeps. When's the last time you've seen a tight end go on a jet sweep? That's insane. It, it's crazy. And, and just put him in a bunch of different positions. Uh, his favorite routes are going across the middle. He's big, strong. Just get him the rock out in space. And, uh, you know, just a really solid guy. It was fun talking to him at Media Day and, and hearing his, his story and who he is and kind of learning more about him. But then Trey Turner, uh, uh, Tavon Robinson. Uh, I, I think this receiving core is going to be very solid. Our guy David Hale at ESPN has them ranked number one in the ACC. That's crazy. I, I think that's wow. a little bit of a stretch, but I, I think this unit can be really solid. Did you have James Mitchell as your first team tight end? I can't remember. I did. I, I have okay, him as did. the number one tight end in the in the ACC and probably you know top three five in the country. Nice. Okay. And, and that's what I'm wondering about Virginia Tech. Last year, they averaged 240 rushing yards per game, first in the ACC, but only 200 passing yards per game. Do you think with this receiving core, I mean, I, I feel like ideally if you get that back, almost if you flip that, right? If you're at 200 rushing yards a game and 240 passing, you're a little more balanced and you're using some of these weapons in the receiving game. Are they capable of that? I mean, 200 rushing rushing. Without Khalil Herbert, I, I would be impressed if they were able to do that. Yeah, I, I think you have to commit to the pass more just because of the weapons yeah. and, and the fact that you do not have you know, such a dominant guy like Khalil Herbert. They do still have some, some key running backs, and it, it'll be fun to see who steps up. You know, Talking with Coach Fuente at Media Day, he said, look, there's a couple of really young guys that y'all might not know about right now that I'm excited for. And that could be coach speak. That could be you know, actual reality. I think we will find out really quickly. But a guy like Raheem Blackshear, who, who is such a just a versatile piece that they put at wide receiver in the slot some, at running back at a good you know, kind of backup position there. Uh, Keyshawn King is another guy that two years ago really came out and exploded his freshman year, but I think he's been battling with some injuries. So there's some guys there, Kelly. It's just going to be can they overall together, kind of like Clemson and what they're having to replace with Travis Etienne, can we kind of do a running back by committee and get the same production as one guy was able to get a year ago. Right. Great point. Okay. Let's talk a little defense. Mac, I would like to have a moment of silence that we lose Divine Diablo from college football, an elite name, <laughs> an all-name team recipient for many, many years. What an incredible name. Also a really good player. But um, Virginia Tech loses him. So moment of silence. We lose Divine Diablo. Excellent name. The secondary was very beat up last year for Virginia Tech, Eric McLean. Caleb Farley opted out. Devin Hunter got suspended. Jermaine Waller, who people are very excited about this year, barely played due to injuries. They do lose Divine Diablo. But can this secondary of Shamari Connor also returning, can this secondary be better? Because last year, Mac, they gave up 266 passing yards per game. They, uh, they have to be better. I'll, I'll tell you that. The, the <laughs> defensive backfield... Uh, was it was a real weak point a year ago, and and looking at, I think the the first guy that you can look at on this in this team in this backfield and say if this guy is who he was two years ago, it's going to be a much improved team, and that's Jermaine Waller. I have him as my number one corner, projecting that he can do that and be back to that. 
because he's locked down. I mean, he's a guy that, again, we we thought we were going to have Caleb Farley, Jermaine Waller, and nobody was going to be even thinking about throwing on Virginia Tech. And then, lo and behold, they didn't have either of them. Uh, was really tough. And, and so I think with that, uh, Connor, if he steps up and, and can be as versatile as he was last year, having so many tackles, being a chess piece for them, I think that defensive backfield can can be much improved. And then Dorian Strong, he's another guy that because Jermaine was hurt, if he can, again, just keep growing, keep getting better and better, he has the experience now, he's going to be a guy that now if he's in that kind of cornerback two role, probably much more comfortable, uh, he, he can be a real bright spot. So you have to think by just growth, experience, time, Kelly, that this defensive backfield is going to improve. Yeah, it's weird when Virginia Tech's defense is just not great. I mean, they were bottom five in every statistical category last year. They had a lot of injuries. They had COVID issues. So I'm really thinking this Virginia Tech defense will improve. And they bring in Jordan Williams from Clemson. He's going to help that D-line. They bring back Amare Barno, who's preseason All-ACC. It feels like they also bring back some good guys, Dax Holyfield, linebacker. This defense has to be better. If it's not, if this defense is not better, I think that could end up being the main issue for Fuente and if this year becomes a make-or-break year because this defense has all the pieces. Yeah, and, and again, looking at that defensive line with, with Barno and, and Jordan, I think it's going to be a solid combination. You know, Jordan, again, just kind of a situation where he got out-recruited at Clemson, still a great player and is going to be a great player and leader for Virginia Tech. I'm really excited for his opportunity here and what he's going to bring to this team. But now you've got a known commodity, a, a known uh, war daddy, if you will, with Barno on the defensive line. You're going to have to double team him. You're going to have to give him more attention. That's going to open up opportunity for everybody else. And guys like Jordan Williams should really you know, eat on that defensive line. Yeah, this defense has to be better. I really think that's what this comes down to for Fuente. And I think he knows that too. So it's got to be a lot better. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to say one thing about special teams for Virginia Tech because this number blew me away. Last year, they turned it over three times in punt return. That's not good. That's got to get better, Eric Backlay. They've got to find a way to fix that. So (laughs) hopefully they do because is there anything worse than muffing a punt in the other team recovers? Like that's the worst thing in football. You're excited. Your defense just got to stop, and and it's a big momentum play, and then – the guy back there who's supposed to be one of the most reliable people mm. on the team just drops it. it. It is crushing. And I tell you what, it gives the other team a lot of juice when that happens as well. And great field position. So uh, Normally, yes. Normally. <laughs> most of the time. Most of the time. Okay, let's talk win total. I think Virginia Tech is a, both of these teams in this episode. Virginia Tech and Louisville, fascinating conversations about their schedule and their win total. Vegas has Virginia Tech at 7. Now, here's the thing. When I look at Virginia Tech's schedule, I feel like I only see one game where I think they definitely lose, and that's at Miami. I thought you were about to say win there. I was about to say, whoa, Kelly, calm down. (laughs) I think every game is winnable. I think they lose at Miami. That's a rivalry game for them, but I I feel like that's going to be a loss. But the rest of the schedule, Mac, they get North Carolina at home week one. We know inner Sandman, that place is going to be rocking. (laughs) They go to West Virginia. West Virginia's rebuilding. I, I think that's winnable. Notre Dame, I am not buying Notre Dame this year with Jack Cohn and and what the heck. Like, if Ian Book's a game manager, Jack Cohn is, like, just a guy who <laughs> is alive. So 
I feel like they have a lot of winnable games, Matt. So when you say when when you hear seven, what do you think? You know, I, I think that's kind of right. And this is why Vegas is so good, right? They they put you in this oh, they're tough, so good. This tough situation where that's probably the number I would have thrown out if you just asked me how many wins. You know, what what are you thinking for this team? And so it, it's tough to lean either way. Uh, but again, when you're looking at it, that North Carolina game is probably the most interesting to me just because of when it's taking place, where it's taking place, and, and the fact that North Carolina has only won twice there in like 25 years. It, it is very difficult for them to, uh, to to go up there and win against those guys, especially in this crazy environment that is going to be back. You know, if knock on wood, we keep, you know, being in this place where we're going to have 100% capacity, maybe it's with masks, maybe not, that stadium's going to be berserk, and those guys are going to be losing their minds. So a very tough environment. As you mentioned, it's – I don't know, Kelly. It's super interesting. I think I'm going to lean under. Yeah. I think I'm going to lean under. I'm not – I would not bet on this. These are not the uh, Gramlet guarantees as we've given you This is not a lock. That's right. Yeah. Not a lock at all. So I'm going to lean under, but I'll give you this little asterisk. If Burmeister can just be more consistent, yeah. it will be over. But I just don't think that's going to happen. And stay healthy because the backup quarterback situation is not great. I think Virginia Tech is going to go seven and five. There you go. And that's exactly. why Vegas so is so good. So what do you so do? Good. You push? What do you, you just don't make any money? You don't lose any yeah, money? Yeah, you just don't don't make a play on this. There you go. Uh, that's what I would say. But good advice. If Fuente goes seven and five and they win a bowl game, he's good, Extension, right? Extension, yeah. Give him five more he's years, good. whatever you want yeah, to do. I think so. I think so. <laughs> All right, let's talk Louisville. I'm just going to give you a little hint. I have... I'm, I'm going to say I have a guarantee on the win total for Louisville later. Oh, buddy. I'm excited oh, to hear what that is. Oh, goodness. <laughs> All right. Let's talk the Louisville Cardinals. Head coach Scott Satterfield, third season at Louisville. Last year, they went four and seven. Three and seven in the ACC. Wins over Western Kentucky. They beat Florida State 48 to 16. Syracuse and Wake Forest. Zero players on the preseason all-ACC teams. Picked sixth in the Atlantic. That seems pretty low. It's weird with Satterfield and Louisville because year one was great. Year two was bad. So what the heck is year three going to look like? I think that's the intrigue with Louisville. <laughs> and they're, they've lost three of their best players. I mean, you're looking at Tutu Atwell, uh, who is just a dynamic pass catcher. Des Fitzpatrick, a bigger body guy that could do a lot of things for you and, and really be explosive. Uh, and then, of course, uh, with, with Javion Hawkins in the running back position that was just so explosive, a guy that could score from anywhere. So now that we're losing those three guys, we lose our offensive coordinator who goes to the NFL. What the heck is this offense going to look like? And, and I think well, Scott it's, Satterfield's taken over. He's back, and, and he obviously has an unbelievable track like record and, and a guy who has been there, done that. Uh, with, with running the ball, with explosive plays through the air. I think the way that the running back position is going to work out, where you have two for sure, like in Jalen Mitchell and Hassan Hall, you've got two for sure guys that can give you any type of effort, any type of production you want. If there's a third guy in there that can really be that kind of X factor, then I think it's going to be a really just App State-looking offense where they're running it, they're rotating guys in and out, they're feeling really good about it. But that's going to be the key. I don't know if it's as possible with just two guys. How do we feel? Let's start with Malik Cunningham. Where do you have him ranked, Mac, when it comes to quarterbacks 
Last year, 20 touchdowns, 12 picks. He also had seven rushing touchdowns. Productive. Does need to cut down on the picks. How do you characterize his game? Yeah, you know, I think what was so interesting, Kelly, is that we were last year all very excited about Malik and and what he was going to be able to do, who he was, what he had coming back. Just thought that it was going to be a really big year you know, for him. And then the, the turnovers really just snuck up on him and, and got after him. And, and something that he didn't look like himself, he wasn't efficient as he was the year before. So I have him ninth in the ACC in my ranking. So still top 10, still admirable and respectable. I do expect him to make big-time improvements and not be as sloppy with the ball. And maybe that's, again, a little bit of a year-two starter. We've seen it with a lot of guys. We've seen these turnovers with a lot of guys, most notably Trevor Lawrence, where maybe you're just trusting your receivers a little bit too much and you're saying okay I can just throw this up and my guy will get it and that just didn't happen to be the case with Louisville a year ago I think the fact that he doesn't have you know those three safety blankets if you will with you know Javian uh Tutu and Dez that maybe it's a little bit more okay I need to be super accurate I need to use my legs very effectively I need to do this and that maybe that's where we see him you know really just flourish because there are still weapons here and I think at the you know, tight end position, Marshawn Ford, one of the best in the country, a guy that if it, Kelly, if it's in the red zone, he's going to get the ball. He's going to score a touchdown. So you better be paying attention to where he is. I think uh, Justice Marshall's a good option. Jordan Watkins, very fast. Braden Smith. But the one guy that I think can be a super X factor is uh, Tyler Harrell. He allegedly ran a 419 this spring Whoa. at Louisville. Coach Satterfield Whoa. said it's the fastest guy that I've ever coached. And if you look at his track record, it, it's remarkable, the guys that he's had in terms of speed. So if that's true, he can be a guy that can absolutely take the top off that 2-2 Atwell position and really get this offense back to being explosive. Yeah, and that's what Satterfield wants to do, right? He want, Speed kills is one of Satterfield's main philosophies in life. I mean, they, they want to be explosive. And I like that Satterfield's taking the offense back. I think that could be a good thing for Louisville. Yeah, I, I do too. And and really what it comes down to with Louisville is they like to run this stretch zone play. Everything is built off of that. And if a defense has it figured out, if they know when it's coming, it really shuts down everything. And that's what we saw last year. So it's almost that Okay, we had a one-year wonder where no one knew what this was. Now everybody does. What other wrinkle can we now put in here to counter that, to, to make it look like that and we're actually doing something different? Again, I, I think the offensive line is going to be improved. I think those guys are all coming back. I'm looking at their most important you know, returning players via uh, my guys over at PFF Focus, Pro Football Focus, and there's three offensive linemen listed. And, and so between Caleb Chandler, Bentley, uh, Adonis Boone, if those guys can just figure it out and, and protect the quarterback, get some good movement, I, I think we can see this offense get back. But it's almost going to be a prove-me-wrong mentality where I don't know if you can do it or not. Yeah. Here's how I feel about Satterfield. I think Satterfield was a there was a reason why we all thought it was a great hire a couple of years ago. And he kind of took the league by storm. Like you said, some wrinkles that the league was not ready for had a great first year, second year COVID no spring ball. He also had the issue where he was flirting with some other teams. It was just a disaster. It was a mess. Now he's taking over his bread and butter, his offense and Mac. I think he feels, I think there's been a fire ignited under him just because he knows, look, I maybe have a little bit of a, of a shorter leash because I decided to go flirt with other teams, which, again, 
look, don't do that, man. But I, I feel like we're going to see a very motivated, creative, um, exciting Louisville offense. So I'm pumped for that. Let's talk defense, Mac. This Louisville defense was actually pretty good last season. I think people forget that. First in the ACC in uh, pass defense, which is pretty good. Fourth in total yards given up. So they were solid. Like, is, do you feel like people weren't giving this Louisville defense enough credit last year? Well, honestly, Kelly, I think that the run defense was so bad that people just like forgot about the pass. They forgot about the good things they, <laughs> that they did because everyone could just kind of run all over them. And, and I think that that was something that was such an Achilles heel for them that I don't know. It's just something that if they can improve that, then you have to think that the passing defense is going to help you know, get more turnovers, get the ball back. I think that'll be another thing. When you think Louisville defense, you think lockdown DBs, and you think guys that can get turnovers. And half of that was true a year ago. The turnover piece was really bad. They gave it away way more than they took it uh, from their team. So I, I think if, when you look at guys like uh, Duncan, the big safety, six foot three, two twenty five, Keytrail Clark, who is severely underrated, and, and myself included in that group of folks that underrated him. I think that he can really be a key piece for these guys. And then up front, you look at, okay, how can we stop this running attack? I think Yasser, I think Yaya, both those defensive ends, uh, outside linebacker, if you will, with uh, Yasser. I, I think those two guys have to step up and really be dominant. Uh, just performers. And then at the linebacker position with Monty Montgomery and C.J. Avery, there's experience, there's leadership, there's performance. And all of those guys, if they can just play to their ability, then I think you're you're excited about this Louisville defense. But similar to the offense, I have to see it. I can talk about it. I can say, look at these guys that they have. But then you look at production, and it's just so inconsistent. So Louisville is is probably one of the most difficult teams for me to analyze, Kelly, because I look at 19, and that was one thing. I look at 20, and that was a completely other. And if we can somehow trend to 19 and build on 19 and just forget about 20, I think this team has a real shot, but I just don't know if we can do that. Can we take a minute to acknowledge Yasser and Yaya on the same defense? Ooh, I mean, I look that. out. I mean, talk about I your all-name team. That I think we just found two replacements for you right here. Exactly, exactly. Okay, special teams real fast, Eric McLean. This is something to keep in mind. For Louisville, their kicker, James Turner. Baller. By the way, have you done your kicker rankings Baller. yet? You know what, Kelly? Can I have um, – can we be real for a second? Yeah, So I was just looking at some other rankings and people that they're excited about, and two of the kickers that I had on there that other people have published things, and they have these kickers on there, are no longer with these teams. So I had it ready. I was ready to publish. I had the graphic. Where did they go? They're in the NFL. They, they moved oh, on. I oh, guess oh. just with COVID, you know, people get so confused about who's actually here or not. So it's still a work in progress. Nobody's called me out on it. So I might just, you know, let it kind of die. Okay. Well, look, I appreciate the realness. <laughs> That's there. right. But I will tell you that James Turner was on there and he was on the yeah. list. And he is I back. I feel like he should be, <laughs> Maybe he should be one. one. Now we Maybe do have Skiba. One. We got to talk about Skiba That's later right. on, but... James Turner was 40 for 40 on extra points last year, 13 out of 15 field goals made. You got to love Boom. it. And the 40 for 40, I mean, you almost expect that, but it never happens. So it's amazing that he was able to do that. And then 13 of 15. I mean, this guy is solid, gives great effort, uh, you know, probably plays soccer in between periods at practice, which drives me nuts. But hey. Okay. Yeah, let's <laughs> talk, talk about, about it that because for a second? it infuriates me. Go ahead. Okay. So I went over to Clemson practice a couple of days ago, 
and I'm walking out. And, you know, as a former athlete, you're looking at practice, you're like, okay, you almost have a scale of from one to 10, how much would I be dying in this drill, right? It's kind of like how you think about it. And I walk past these specialists and I'm thinking, this is the life. These guys just kick around. Everyone else is outside. They're in the indoor facility, just kicking field goals, messing around, punting. Mac, what is that? I would hate those guys. I got to be honest. I would hate those guys. I, I, I'm glad that this is the end of the show and I can get a little angry here and we can get out of here. There would be times where I am sweating, bleeding, dying right. on the field. And, you know, maybe I just like blocked someone really well or got kind of rocked, whatever way it leans. And I just kind of look over and see those guys playing soccer and having a great time and like <laughs> no pads on, no helmets on. And I'm just like, I can't stand any of you. I hate all of you. <laughs> no, but they're important. Hey, listen, when you need them, they're important. And I uh, feel you, though. You got to have them. But, you know, if they just had their own place where we didn't have to see them till game day, I'd be cool with that, too. Wow. I just, yeah, that dynamic is interesting. Um, I'm sure kickers, punters, all y'all, you're great people, but we hate you. Just so you know. Because <laughs> just that looks just way too practice. fun. Yeah, yeah. And you way guys too have easy. A, a great life. Good, but then when, you know, there's one second left and your team's down one and he's got a 45-yard field goal in front of 80,000 people. You better make it. And you're it. like, all right. You better make it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk win total real fast. Mac, I'm going out on a limb here. Louisville's win total six and a half. I say take the over. I only see two sure losses for me. Clemson and then I would say Ole Miss, but I also – I think that's a loss, but I don't know if it's a sure loss, just because we'll see what Ole Miss looks like. We know they're going to be able to score. But every other game, Louisville's going to have a chance. They are. And they have a pretty easy November once they get past Clemson. Syracuse, Duke, Kentucky. Kentucky, of course, has been an issue for them, but I think they can finish strong. And I'm going to believe in Satterfield. I think Satterfield's too good to fail this quickly at Louisville. They have athletes. Louisville always does. It's just a matter of Satterfield putting them in the right position. He's taking over the offense. I say, this is a KG guarantee, take the over with Louisville. Wow. You guys didn't know that, that Kelly was running for Miss Kentucky, did you? She just won it. Congratulations. She L's up. L's up. <laughs> I, Luke, I, I Katie. Think, that's right. That's my right. people. Your friends. I think I'm going to take your, uh, your sure losses. I'm going to get Ole Miss out of there, and I'll tell you why in a second. And I'm going to add NC State right there. And, and this is not disrespect to Louisville. This is over-respect and, and much respect to NC State. I think they're going to be a really good team. So Okay, so that's two. That's two. That's two sure well, losses. Yeah, exactly. So I'm kind of in your ballpark. I'm looking at that Ole Miss game to start. I think, Kelly Gramlich, that is going to be the most exciting game of this Labor Day weekend. I think there's going to be – billions of points scored. I mean, it's going to be a very high-scoring game. It's going to be a game that lasts all night. I cannot wait to watch it if both offenses do what we think they can, of course. Uh, so I, I think that one's going to be a real toss-up. And you're talking, I'm, I mean like 50 to 57 type caliber of game. I think it's going to be extremely high-scoring. Can't wait to see it. Uh, the rest of this schedule, it's tough. I, I think that's a good number, six and a half. Again, both of these really tough you know, kind of numbers. But I'm going to go under, and I think six is kind of my magic number for Louisville. That's why I have them so you know early in this kind of ranking here. You know, I do have them above Florida State, but I think that it's going to be a tough season, and I just don't know if I can trust this offense, and just don't know if if uh, if it's going to be who's going to show up, who's going to show up. Are they going to turn fans. the ball over? 
Yeah, whatever. Go ahead. Come roast get me. this man. Roast me. <laughs> Come get this man. Mac, are you going to take an over on any team? Uh, I think I have a couple, but maybe not. I don't know. Uh, Clemson. <laughs> I think I'll take you took the over, the over on, on Clemson. Duke. I firmly believe in the over on Duke. Yeah. Duke's got three games they're going to win. You just got to win one more. Kansas. Take the over beat on Duke. Kansas. <laughs> beat Kansas. Beat Northwestern. Boom. Please. You're already over. Exactly. All right, guys. That's it for this episode of Gramlick and McLean. Do yourself a favor. Please go follow our producer's podcast, Rich Take on Sports. Rich has so many great interviews with so many different walks of life and experiences that all revolve around sports. It's really fun. He just celebrated his 150th episode. That's a huge deal, you guys. I promise you, you look through all 150, there's an episode that you will be truly inspired and uh, entertained with, and then you'll just be locked in and listen to all 150 of them. But that's it for us. Another great episode of Gramlick and Mac Lane. We always appreciate you guys listening. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review. It's always great to hear from you guys. But until next time, we'll see y'all.